0: Hey, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open that up to the book of James, James chapter 3. Excited to jump into God's Word uh, with all of us this morning. Just want to really remind you real quick, too, is that uh, one thing we started last week again uh, for the fall is our Monday Q&As. So, every Monday at noon, what we've been doing is going live on our Facebook channels and YouTube channels, and we're answering really any question that you send in to us. So, if you have a question from sermon, something you want clarification on, anything like that, we want you to send those in so that on Mondays we can address and address them and go a little deeper into what we're preaching on on Sundays. So if you go, to slido.com, S-L-I-D-O.com. You can do that on your phone and enter in the code 917, 917. Uh, then a little screen will pop up where you can submit any question that you want. So just want to keep reminding you of that. We did it last week. It was a lot of fun, and we're going to continue to do that every Monday. So check us out during your lunch break on Monday if you have one. If not, you can hit the replay and see it uh, afterwards. Um, So as we jump in this morning, uh, raise your hand, you actually don't have to, but raise your hand if at some point in the last six months, as we've been dealing with this pandemic and kind of confined into our homes, if a relationship within your home has gotten a little tense, anybody, if a relationship in your home has... Experience some frustration boiling over, maybe some conflict. Maybe you have said something that hurt another, or somebody else said something to you that hurt you. I know that's occurred in my house, and I'm one of the pastors, so that's okay, right? When you have this situation where you take everybody that's in your home and you force them to never leave, right? and 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 you're going to work there and you're going to go to church there and you're going to do school there and you're going to do everything that you used to do in your home virtually friction is going to occur tension is going to build in our houses i i think it's inevitable that every once in a while eruptions are going to occur it's just a part of relationships well last week we started a new sermon series for the fall called my blank home. And in this sermon series, we want to catch a vision for the kind of home environment, home culture that God desires for us to have. And so what we want to do is take an honest assessment of what is the current state of my home? What is the current culture like inside my home? And so we're going to be addressing all kinds of topics that relate to our homes, things like marriage and parenting and singleness and abuse and, and a number of other topics. And what we want to do is go to the word of God and see what he has to say about all of these things and then ask the Holy Spirit who has made his home in our heart. You remember That's what we talked about last week to help us have the kind of home that God wants us to have. A home that's marked by peace and joy. And so this morning, what we're going to talk about is conflict and tension. What does God word, God's word, have to say about my tense home? How do I respond and react in such a way to de-escalate tension and stress in my home versus allowing the eruption to occur? And so actually the Bible has so much to say about peacemaking and how to deal with conflict and all of this stuff. I mean, I could, I could preach several sermons on it. So we're just going to look at one aspect of this. And I want to take us to James chapter three. So if you have a Bible, go to James three verse, I'm going to start in verse two. I'm going to read verses two to 12 and James is going to say something to us in a typical James fashion. uh, That's pretty stark. James likes to be very black and white in the things that he says in uh, the Bible. And you'll notice that this passage is exactly that way. So James chapter three, verses two to 12. God's word says this. It says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member My sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So if you wanted to summarize what James just said in a very powerful way, you could say that your tongue, although it's a small part of your body, has a lot of power. Just like an innocent gender reveal stunt can spark wildfires across the West, so our tongue can destroy the relationships in our lives. Just like a a small rudder of a huge cruise ship can steer that ship, your tongue has the power to steer the culture and the environment of your home. With your words, with your body language, with the lack of your words, you can create more tension in your home or you can ease tension in your home. That's pretty much the sermon right there. Proverbs 15, one says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger with your words, with your body language, with your, your lack of words, you can cause tension or ease tension. So, I mean, just, just think about this for a second. Think about the relationships that you have, whether they're in your home or not, could be in the workplace, other family members, whoever, friends, friends. Just think of your relationships like a structure could be a house or or something, a a, a structure. And so if you think of your marriage, think of your marriage as a, as a structure or the relationship with your kids as a structure or your roommate, your relationship with them, your parents, whoever it is. And, And now we're in this global pandemic and that's hit and it's causing us to spend a whole lot more time together. Our worlds are colliding more. We're doing school in our homes and working in our homes and going to church in our homes. We never leave our homes. Or it may not be the pandemic. Maybe things are going on in your house. There's financial stress or you're dealing with sickness or you have kids that don't listen or you have parents that are always yelling at you or maybe your marriage has descended into a place where you're always bickering. It doesn't really matter the exact cause, but the relationship is starting to get tense. There's frustration, there's bitterness, there's cynicism. And so if we think of these relationships as structures, when tension and stress is introduced to the relationship, it starts to become unstable. Maybe the relationship starts to lean a little bit. It feels like a house of cards that something easily could cause this relationship to crumble. You know, I know there are people here today or watching online and the relationships they have in their home or in their workplace or in other spheres of their life feel like that. It feels unstable. It feels like it's hanging on by a thread. There's tension and stress there. It wouldn't take much to knock it over. And James is saying that our tongues have the power to either lean on that structure and knock it over, or our tongues have the power to reinforce, to fortify that relationship. So let's say things between you and your roommate have been getting tense lately. You know, you're both stressed because you have to work from home. And you just feel like your roommate has no sense of decency and consideration of the fact that you need peace and quiet in order to work and be on your Zoom calls and do all those things. And so one day while your roommate is being loud, your frustration and bitterness, the tension has been growing over time. The structure has become more unstable and you say in a rage, why are you? always so loud it is impossible to do anything with you around maybe that's something you've said to your kids before or your spouse before or something similar and when the relationship already has tension present when we allow our tongues to put just a little bit more pressure on that relationship we can topple it over say things that do real damage or really hurt people or destroy trust in a relationship. But what James is saying is that our tongues actually have the power and the ability to steer the relationship in a different direction. Remember what Proverbs 15:1 says, right? A soft answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. And what this means is that instead of using our tongues to tear down the relationship, we can actually use our tongues to reinforce it, to build it up. Every time we are directing words at one another, we are either putting pressure on the relationship, or we are easing the tension, releasing pressure, fortifying, reinforcing the relationship. That's the kind of power that your tongue has every time you use it. But here's the key. This is what I really want us to learn today. It is possible for you to use your tongue to fortify the relationship while addressing the tension rather than suppressing the tension. Did you get, catch that? Like fortifying the relationship does not mean suppressing the tension, suppressing your feelings and putting a fake smile on your face and saying disingenuous things with your tongue to the other person to make sure you don't topple over what is already a tense relationship. You know what we call that? We call that walking on eggshells. That is a really unhealthy home culture to have. It is possible for you to use your tongue to reinforce that relationship while addressing the problems and the tension, not suppressing it. Um, Kim, my wife, did this the other day in our home. Last week, I was in our bedroom getting dressed, about to go somewhere. She came into the room, told me she wanted to talk about something. And very gently, very softly, very lovingly and caringly, just told me, hey, over the last few weeks, I have felt unseen by you. You know, things have been a little stressed in our home, a bunch of stuff going on. I've been busy with the church and I haven't really been attentive to her. She was hurt by that. It caused tension in the relationship. But instead of coming into the room armed with accusations, instead of coming to the room with exaggeration or using words like always and never, instead of coming with her guns blazing or with passive aggressive comments, she just gently and softly told me the truth, told me how she felt that it was hurting her. And with her tongue, she reinforced our relationship. She didn't put pressure on it when she had the opportunity to. And the difference was the way she used her tongue. Every time we direct words at another person or withhold words from a person, whether they are people in our home or work or wherever they are, we are either putting pressure on that relationship or we're fortifying it. Every time. That's the kind of power our tongue has in any situation, right? This is true when you get home from work and the words that you say to your family. This is true when you, you say something or don't say something when you're annoyed. This is true in your marriage. It's true with your parenting and your kids. This is true when you're just joking around with people. Your words have a lot of power. Whenever we speak, we are either molding I mean, we are always molding and shaping the relationships around us. So last week, we started this series, and I made the bold claim that change and transformation is possible for all of us because if we trust in Christ, God has put his spirit in us. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to help us to trust in and follow the word of God. Remember what we read in James chapter three, verses 11 and 12, the very end, it said this. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And James is just simply saying, hey, the problem is not the tongue. The problem is the person controlling the tongue. And when God put his spirit inside people, he begins to transform them. He transforms the person controlling the tongue. And so here's what I want to do for just the little few more minutes that I have left, is I want to explain to us practically how when our relationships are getting tense and we're tempted to use our tongues in such a way that's going to tear down or put pressure on a relationship, How in those moments we can call upon the spirit in our lives to help us, to help us to use our tongues to fortify the relationship rather than tear it down. So if you're taking notes, you, you know, you could do this on your phone if you want. I have four steps, four steps to using our tongue to fortify a tense relationship. All right, and to make it helpful, these four steps spell fort, F O R T. All right, so here's step number one F. Step number one is this feel what you feel. This is so important. Feel what you feel. All right, so let's say you got a relationship, it's getting tense, it's getting stressful, you're frustrated, you're bitter, you're angry. You've got that stuff. It's in your gut. It's rising up in you. You need to feel that. You need to recognize it, name it. Maybe it'd be helpful to write it down, journal what you were feeling. Maybe it's helpful to go on a walk and say it out loud or something. But here's the deal. Suppressed feelings always turn into toxic feelings every single time. If you're feeling angry and bitter or frustrated, you need to to view that like a toxin inside your body that you need to get out in a healthy way, right? You might be frustrated for a very valid reason, but suppressed feelings turn into toxic feelings. And when those toxic feelings are released, we almost always do it in such a way where it tears relationships down, doesn't build relationships up. So we need to feel what we are feeling rather than suppress it. And this is really easy for us to do, to to think, well, I don't want to rock the boat or I don't want to say anything, all right? And, And so what we tend to do when we get those feelings is we tend to just try to push them down and say, oh, maybe those will go away. They never go away. It's a toxin in your body and it will come out at some point, always. Feel what you feel. But that leads us to the next step. Step number two is this, offer the raw feelings to God first. Offer the raw feelings to God first, that's O. right, here's what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is you need to go find a chapel and go kneel at a pew and clasp your hands and recite some religious, well-rehearsed prayer to God. That's not what I'm saying. No, God knows your heart. He knows what the raw feelings are. Are. He's not fooled by religious acts. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Offer the raw feeling to God first. Let God be the landing pad of those unprocessed, raw feelings inside of you. Right? He is your heavenly Father, and believe me, your relationship with Him is secure. He can handle that. So everything you want to say to the other person, everything that you are feeling that might be an overreaction, go to God with them first. Say, God, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I would want to say. God, this person's impossible and they never admit they're wrong. God, I I, I think I regret marrying that person. Ever felt that if you're married? God, I just don't think I can do this parenting thing anymore. God, give me a way out. Find a place to be alone with God. Say those things out loud to him. Let the raw feelings out first to God. He can handle them. He's not going to be shocked. He's not going to be appalled. He's not going to be like, whoa, whoa, hey, that's uncalled for. Go to him first. And now that we've kind of hit that release valve a little bit in a safe place, we can move to step three. This is our recruit the help of the spirit. We've recognized what's inside of us. We've prayed to God about it. And now we're saying, spirit, I need your help. You're admitting that you need help. This is what's inside of me. It's there and I need help if we have allowed ourselves to recognize those feelings inside of us and we've started to say those things out loud to God, we have reached a level of intentionality now in dealing with this where we are going to be more open to the ministry of the spirit who is gonna lead us always towards building up relationship and not tearing down. We recruit the help of the spirit by asking God to help us to respond and react in a way that builds up. When we go to God and say, Spirit, I, God, I, I need your help to respond in a way where I'm not going to do more damage to this relationship. And, and right now, with the state that I'm in, if I talk, that's what's going to happen. I need help. And if we go through those steps and then specifically ask for help, he's going to help. But we got to put ourselves in a spot to hear that. Maybe that's sitting in silence and just giving the spirit time to work on our will and our spirit. Maybe that's journaling a little bit. Maybe that means going on a walk. Usually the spirit is going to begin to move your heart in a direction where you're going to feel some defense. Oh, I don't want to say that. Oh, I don't want to give them that kind of power. Oh, I don't want to admit that. Oh, I don't want this but he will begin to blow the winds of our soul in the direction of gentleness and using our tongue to build up. Remember Proverbs 15.1, so important. Memorize that verse, right? A soft word, a soft answer is what the spirit is always going to lead you towards. He will never lead you toward harshness. If you think you're listening to the spirit and you think that he's leading you to a harsh word, you've not heard the spirit. He will always lead you to gentleness, right? Have you noticed that this process, it's about slowing down so we can follow the leadership of the spirit in our lives. Slowing down so he can validate what's going on inside of us, allowing ourselves to be human and not just always be on the defensive. And listen, there are gonna be times when things occur uh, at a level where your anger and frustration is so high that we're gonna need help recruiting the help of the Spirit, right? And this is where we need brothers and sisters in Christ. You may have been hurt or betrayed in a way that has really done a lot of trauma and damage. And so this is where to recruit the help of the Spirit, we need to go to trusted brothers and sisters in Christ for help. This isn't gossip, It's not to tear the other person down. It's help me deal with this in a godly, loving way. Because I'm so angry. I'm so hurt. I'm so messed up up here. I don't even know if I can hear what the Spirit is saying to me right now. And we need each other. But once we have recruited the help of the Spirit, He's going to lead us to respond to whatever's going on in that relationship with our tongues in such a way that it's going to build, never tear down. And here's step number four. This is T, F-O-R-T, here's T. It's actually two T's, tact, T-A-C-T, tact, and tone. Remember what I said was key before. You can address the tension in that relationship without suppressing the tension, But the spirit is going to help us to do that through helping us have tact and to also use the right tone. So let me give you some definitions of these two words. Okay, so tact, I'm stealing this from one of my buddies, pastor in Miami, Moochie Ukegu. He, He defines tact this way. He says, tact is the art of making a point without making an enemy. And that's so good. Man, our politicians could use some training in that. Goodness. The art of making a point without making an enemy. So godly tact is when we are intentional with our words by working through steps one to three, and we use our words in such a way that builds up versus tears down, right? We use our words in such a way that draws the relationship near, does not push it far away. You are using godly tact... If you aren't, I'm sorry, you are not using godly tact if you are not addressing the hard things that need to be addressed in your relationship because a point needs to be made, right? You are not using godly tact if you address the hard things in a harsh manner because that's making an enemy. So that's tact. Here's tone. This is my definition of tone. The art of using your body to communicate the motivation behind what you're saying. That's your tone. So when we recruit the help of the spirit and he begins to lead us in a direction of building up the relationship, and although we need to address the tension in the relationship, our bodies are going to communicate to the other person the motivation behind what we're saying. We, we do that through how we say things, the inflection of our voice, eye contact, body language, appropriate touch, gentleness, things like that. These things help communicate to the other person that your desire is to build and not tear down. Right, so we have godly tact, making a point without making an enemy, and godly tone, using our body to communicate that motivation. And here's the secret. Godly tact, And godly tone ought to be how followers of Jesus use their tongue in every situation. Whether it's in our homes, at the workplace, when we're debating, on social media, godly tact, making a point without making an enemy, godly tone Every single time we use our tongues, when we open our mouths, nothing but refreshing gentleness ought to come out in the midst of a world that's used to nothing but harshness. And here's why. Because that is precisely how God treats us. Let me ask you a question as we're getting ready to close here. Let me ask you a question. What is God's tone towards you? Like when you imagine God's emotional response to you, to your life, to your sin, to, I don't know, what you did this past week. What is God's tone? What's his attitude towards you? Is he annoyed? Is he unimpressed, removed, distant, disinterested? Because the cross of Jesus Christ is proof that the son of God not only has used his body, but has actually given his body to prove that when he says he loves you, when he says he wants you to be in his family, when he says you are forgiven, when he says that, you can come to him with anything that he means it. I don't know where everyone is at with, with God this morning. Maybe you're in a spiritually dry season. Maybe you had a tough week. Maybe you're in a place where you have a lot of frustration in your relationships. Maybe you just don't know what you believe right now. But I, I think many of us need to reframe our picture of the kind of tone that God has towards us in this moment right now. Right On on Friday, uh, I was taking my kids through the Grace Hill Kids curriculum. So this week, if you go download it for this week, you're gonna read Luke 15. And you're gonna read the, the three parables in the Luke 15 and the third parable is the parable of the prodigal son. So a parable about a younger son who disowns his dad, leaves town, gets into a lot of trouble, comes back, assuming that his dad would be harsh with him and maybe wouldn't even welcome him back in his home. And if you read the parable, you know how it ends, that it ends with the father seeing his son a long way off and running out to him and throwing his arms around him and celebrating that his son had come home. When you think of the kind of tone that God has with you, We need to read Luke 15 because that might be the best description of God's tone towards you. His body language is not cold and religious. His body language is running out towards you in a field to embrace you and ready to kill a calf to celebrate and pop a bottle of wine because he loves you. That's his tone when he deals with you. That's his tone when he deals with your sin. This is also an example of godly tact. Because God absolutely addresses our sin, but he doesn't do it in a way that creates an enemy. He does it in a way where he draws us in. Like this is the gospel. Godly tact and godly tone. And when we begin to accept the fact that this is how God loves us, this is how God treats us. When we reflect on the cross, how God addresses our sin by drawing us near, not pushing us away. With the help of the spirit, it will begin to grow in us a similar godly tone and tact as we deal with other people. where there used to be salt water in our heart, fresh water will begin to flow as the spirit slowly turns us more into his son, Jesus, like his son, Jesus. So here's your steps. Feel what you feel. It's real. It's there. Don't deny it. Offer your raw feelings to God first. Come to Jesus with how you're feeling. Recruit the help of the spirit and admit you need help. And then use the same tact and the same tone that God uses with you, demonstrated through the cross of Jesus Christ. That is how we use our tongues to build relationship rather than to tear it down. Let me pray for us. Father, this morning. I know there are lots of people tuning in or here with us at the park that they're in the middle of some tense relationship right now. And it's hard. I know there are people who are probably hurt by others. And so God, I pray that you would help us to understand that you don't ask us to suppress what we're feeling. No, you wanna help us address it in a healthy, godly way. And so God, I pray that you would help us to be people who use our tongues to build up rather than to tear down. I pray that you would help us to be people, God, who have an accurate picture of your love towards us, the kind of tone and the kind of tact that you use towards us demonstrated at the cross of Jesus Christ. And God, help us as followers of Jesus to love the people in our homes, to love the people in our workplaces, our neighbors, and everywhere else, Lord, in the same way that you have loved us. But Spirit, we, we need your help. We are weak. We cannot do this on our own. So we ask for your help. We love you, God, and we thank you so much and we praise you and glorify your name that you address our sin, not by pushing us away, but by lavishing your grace upon us and drawing us in. Remind us of that now. Help us to rest in that right now. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.